from Blogging the Boys, Mr. R.J. Atua. R.J., how you doing? I'm doing well, my friend. Great to be with you. Good morning. Happy Wednesday. Happy Master's Week. It's an exciting time. <laughs> it is an exciting time. Hey, I want to ask you, is, is this going to be or could this possibly be the worst offseason in history for the Dallas Cowboys? I mean – you know, not not to make light of anything that, that has um, been levied out as an accusation or anything like that, but when you factor in the, the off-the-field things as well, um, it does feel like everything has been a misstep for the Cowboys. It feels like every, every time their name has been mentioned in the news, it's generally been for negative reasons. Um, you know, there are some people who believe they were totally in the right on the Randy Gregory situation, but, but that was a unique thing to happen in this offseason, and, and that obviously does relate to football. Um, it's it's tough to come up with one that is is more difficult. I mean, they they are uh, they're catching L's, as the kids say. RJ, this morning uh, the Bills lock up Stephon Diggs. I know there was some noise out there last week or the week before about the possibility of Diggs coming to Dallas. How big of a blow is that for the Cowboys who desperately need a wide receiver? You know, I I don't know that anybody ever seriously thought that 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 idea had had ground or had had wheels or had motion. Um, in fact, you know, I, I said this lightly on, on one of our podcasts, but I, you know, I honestly thought, and, and you know, may, maybe I'm just getting older to where conspiracy theories, you know, are, are more believable to me. But I honestly thought, you know, that, that Stefan Diggs saw the money that Devontae Adams and the Tyreek Hill were getting with their new teams. And obviously he wants to be with the Bills. Um, and I think that he is very well aware of his brand and his place in the NFL. And I think he's very well aware of Trayvon Diggs' place in the NFL world. And so I fully believe um, that, that, you know, it was all part of a ploy uh, to kind of increase some pressure on the Bills to get closer to, to Stephon Diggs' number because there was no way he was ever going to leave the Bills. There was no way that Trayvon Diggs was ever going to tweet that unless Stephon Diggs was cool about it. I, I mean, I, I have to assume it was some sort of 11th hour negotiating tactic that seemingly worked. Visiting with uh, R.J. Choi from Blogging the Boys and ESPN San Antonio. R.J., I, I realize we're we're in April, but when you look at this Cowboy roster, the way it's constructed today prior to the draft, is this roster better or worse than it was a year ago? It's significantly worse. I mean, and, and that's – you're right. I mean, and, and the, the constant clapback from, you know, devoted Cowboys fans is, you know, well, they're, they're a really good drafting team, and, and that's generally true. Um, but – I mean, they're weaker at defensive end. I know that they signed Dante Fowler. And, you know, we've reached the point of, of the grieving process or, what, you know, whatever process where, you know, bargaining is starting to happen. And people are like, well, he had six sacks. And, you know, people people really are talking themselves into Dante Fowler now. Um, they have no replenishments along the offensive line. Connor Williams, I know, was the subject of a lot of vitriol, but, but he's gone. Lyle Collins, they openly and, and purposely cut, and he's gone. And so they're down. They're down two starters along their offensive line that already wasn't as good as a lot of people think it was. And so, you know, maybe they do land Kenyon Green or Zion Johnson in the draft. But, I mean, that's the thing. Like, you know, they're a really good drafting team. And, and the draft is, is a lot of luck. And, and that's true for a lot of other teams, um, really every team. Even, you know, you need luck with the number one overall pick. But, I mean, last year – Micah Parsons is, is a revelation and is amazing, and, and nobody would undo that selection. But that was literally the worst case scenario for the Cowboys was Micah Parsons. I mean, the, the plan going into the draft was one of these corners is going to be there at ten: Patrick Sertan or J.C. Horn. That that's what's going to happen. And draft night comes, Carolina takes Horn. You know, Denver takes Sertan, and the Cowboys were wiped out. And that was 
DEFCON 1, smash the glass, you know, like everybody panic and freak out. And, you know, sometimes that happens and you end up with one of the best defensive players in the NFL. But, like, can you really strike lightning twice? And it's not even striking lightning. It, it's, it's literally going to the place, the spot on earth where you were struck by lightning and looking up at, at God and screaming to be struck by lightning. I mean, that's what they're doing. That's the pressure they're putting on themselves here. Um, is it wise? No. Is it possible? Definitely. Um, but it, they are they are putting an enormous amount of pressure on themselves to thread this needle that is already difficult enough to do in the first place. So is it offensive line, wide receiver, or are the Cowboys better off just saying, okay, we're going with the best player available when we get to the pick? It'd be fine if they took a receiver. And, you know, it'd, it'd be a bright new shiny toy. And that's that's a pick that's a lot easier to, to get excited about because you can watch their highlights. And you know what I mean? Like, it, there's there's some taste to it. It's difficult to, like, get pumped about an offensive lineman, but that's the smart play here. I mean, assuming that, that one of Zion Johnson or Kenyon Green is available there. They, you know, I, I love Kenyon Green, obviously, you know, uh, went to Texas A&M, my alma mater. And so, I, I, I mean, you, you get that guy, you know, one of those two dudes, and you've got an answer. You've got a walk-in, plug-in, day-one starter at left guard, and you need that. I, I, I don't mean this the way it sounds, but I do think it's interesting how people are, and myself included, are talking about the idea of wide receiver as if that isn't necessarily a bad thing. Um, you know, they, they just took a receiver in the first round. They just took CeeDee Lamb. Like, it, isn't it some – you know, indictment is a heavy word, but like, isn't it some like microscopic indictment on CD Lamb that we're already here just two years later, not even through his rookie contract, already talking about how necessary it might be for the Cowboys to take a receiver in the first round? Um, I mean, if, if you know, you need multiple receivers. I mean, that's the way football works. But if CD Lamb were truly this freak that we all thought he was going to be, would would this really be a discussion point? You know, are the Bills with Stephon Diggs talking about a receiver in the first round? And so, I mean, I, I would love that, but it would it wouldn't feel irresponsible. It would feel like a little bit of a letdown, as much fun as a receiver would be. RJ, talk a little bit about the the trade that went down between the Eagles and the Saints, and the possible impacts that could have on Dallas. Yeah, so on Monday, the Eagles, um, you know, agreed to swap their 16th and 19th overall picks, um, in, in addition to some other things, uh, with the New Orleans Saints. I don't know what New Orleans is doing. Obviously, a lot of people think they're going to have to get a quarterback. But um, the, the mediest things that New Orleans gave up to, uh, to Philadelphia in order to get those picks were a first-round pick next year in 2023 and a second-round pick in 2024. So uh, premium draft capital for the next two years. And so, you know, we don't know what New Orleans is doing. And that, you know, when we find out, that will answer some of these questions. But in the process of speculating, you have to wonder if New Orleans is comfortable doing this because they know that there's a shoe about to drop next year, next offseason, when they trade away Sean Payton. Uh, you know, and, and maybe the Saints believe that they will recoup some of that draft capital loss. Again, maybe the starting point price is, is a first-round pick in 2023 and a second-round pick in 2024 or some sort of price point around that. Um, you know, if you're wondering, the, the, the two most recent coaches to get traded in the NFL both happen to have gone to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and both happen to have won Super Bowls there. John Gruden went for multiple first-round and multiple second-round draft picks. Meanwhile, Bruce Arians went for a sixth and seventh round pick swap. Uh, it was a little bit, you know, a little bit kinder act of good faith from the Cardinals when they let Bruce go. I don't think that that would be the case for the Saints. I do think they would be looking for something along those lines, a first and second round pick. And so, it, it's rare that you kind of know the price around something before you get into it. But but that's that's it seems like that's going to be the price to do business with the Saints in order to acquire Sean Payton for any team. 
but the Cowboys have been so public about their love affair for him that I have to imagine it would be a little bit higher. All right. Uh, I, I, well, I want to get back to the wide receiver thing for just a minute. A couple of things that kind of intrigue me. One, with Amari Cooper gone, does C.D. Lamb have the skill set to be that elite wide receiver uh, for Dak Prescott? I mean, will he, you know, will he be a pro bowler? I mean, he already was a pro bowler, but, you know, will, will he be the best receiver on the team? Obviously, for sure. I, I really don't know. I mean, I, I really don't know that I think he's going to – can he reach the Stephon Diggs, Devontae Adams, Cooper Cup, you know, Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson territory? I don't know. I, I mean, right now, if I had to bet, I would probably say no, just because it's, it's really, really, really difficult. I think that, you know, there are often really good wide receivers who are the best receiver on their team that just don't, you know, become those dudes. I mean, you know, I would I would say not that he's a, a similar player to these guys, but, you know, like Braylon Edwards, you know, back in the day for the Jets or, um, you know, Anquan Bolden. But, you know, Anquan had a great run, obviously, early in his career. But, like, those guys were great receivers and the best receiver on their team, but they were never, like, challenging to be the best receivers in the NFL. And that's kind of where I feel, you know, we're at with CD. I mean, you know, we're, we're two years in, and, and the third year is such an important year for, for breaking out in a lot of senses. But, I mean, he's, he's had a lot of opportunities. And, and all we heard about him coming in from Oklahoma was he's the yak god, yards after the catch. He's going he's gonna to be yeah, yards after the catch all over the place, whatever. And we haven't seen it. We, we really have not seen um, that kind of explosiveness. He's, he's a little bit of a, of a thinner wide receiver, so he's not your, like, dominant red zone weapon the way Des Bryant was or the way, you know, AJ Brown or Julio Jones or, or those big dudes are. And so it's, it, it's a, it's a thing that remains to be seen, but right now I would bet against it just because it, it's a difficult thing. I mean, it's the NFL. It's hard. Um, but you know, he has the opportunity now. I mean, and, and it, it kind of has to happen because if it doesn't, then, then, you know, that's the Jenga piece you take out and the whole tower falls apart. So let's go back to the Amari Cooper piece to this thing. It, in today's NFL, as you know, a lot of quarterbacks, if not all quarterbacks, are in an advisory capacity to some degree with the franchise, uh, particularly on the offensive side of the football. So do you feel like or do you think or do you know whether Dak Prescott had, uh, had input on Amari Cooper in, in, uh, in being shown the door? I don't think so. Um, I, I think, you know, the, the most common thread, you know, with, with the Cowboys at least, but I think this plays true across the entire league, is you can follow the money. I mean, you, you can look at money and, and, and you can use that to explain just about every decision, um, you know, and that's true in life, really, in a lot of senses. And so the, the reality with Amari is the Cowboys were not getting a proper return on their investment. Now, you can argue, and I have certainly argued, that, that they misused Amari. I mean, they were paying him you know, throw me the ball money, and they were not throwing him the ball. And so I think it's dumb to, to not throw him the ball. But if you're not going to throw him the ball, you can't pay him, throw him the ball money. I mean, the way you were paying Amari Cooper, you gotta, he's got to have 15 to 16 targets a game. And, and that's just not the case. I mean, Cooper Cup and Justin Jefferson and, and all the others, I mean, they dominate their team target share. And that was just never the case with Amari Cooper. And so uh, Dak Prescott is a quarterback that likes to spread the ball around. He really isn't somebody who kind of focuses in, you know, like you watch a Rams game and it's like, you know, Matthew Stafford drops back and it's like Cooper Cup, Cooper Cup, Cooper Cup. And that's just never been the case here. And, and you know, that, that's just Dak Prescott's play style. It's just Kellen Moore's offense. 
Um, and, and you can argue against that. And again, I think that that is a very fair argument, but I don't think there was any vitriol or bad blood or, or anything like that. I think it was just, you know, dollars and cents and, and them not making sense of the Cowboys. And that's why they decided to move on. RJ, how big is this off season for Dak Prescott, Dak Prescott, excuse me. And when does it become a make it or break it year for Prescott? You know, we're a long way removed from it, but I mean, Dak did start this offseason with the comments about the officiating. Um, that feels like forever ago, right? Um, you know, and, and that was really Dak's very, very first public misstep. You know, if, if you look at Dak Prescott's career, he has never, ever taken, you know, one toe across the line of what's right and what's wrong. Um, and so that was such a that was a disappointing thing. And, I, you know, I think we're reaching the point in his career of lateness where, when you don't have a championship by now, now everything becomes annoying, right? Like it's, it's dumb to argue this way, but you know, Dak, Dak speaks and it's like, yeah, but you have on a Super Bowl. That's, that's how a lot of people act. And so like the clock is ticking, the clock is running out for a lot of people. I, I mean, Amari Cooper, Dak has only ever been on the elite quarterback that we've known him to be with Amari Cooper in his offense. And, you know, I don't, I don't know that that's a chicken and egg thing. Like, you know, one is necessary for the other. I do think that Amari's presence obviously helps unlock who Dak Prescott has become. But there is a fair question to ask whether or not Dak can be that guy without Amari Cooper. I mean, just because we haven't seen that, right? And so, I mean, there, there are a lot of questions to answer. And, and that's just like the literalness of the trade. There's also the questions to answer or respond excuse me, responding from last season. I mean, and not just the fact that they lost in the playoffs, but they were awful down the stretch. He was awful. I mean, like, can they rebound? Can they respond properly? Can they fight a lot of narratives and a lot of history? You know, like what the 2003 Cowboys did has nothing to do with them. But still, this is a franchise that hasn't gone to the playoffs in two straight seasons since 2006 and 2007. Last week, DraftKings set their over-under win total for the year at 105 this is a team that hasn't won double-digit games in back-to-back seasons since 1995 and 1996. Generally speaking, this is a team, and part of that history includes Dak Prescott now, this is a team that when they have expectations for something, they fail, and they generally fail in a blaze of glory. And so you're kind of expecting that, and so in some sense it will hurt a little bit less now that we know all that information, but th- this is the most important season of Dak Prescott's career. He's in. I think the last part of that is, He's no longer the young you know, guy or whatever. He's been around. He's lost playoff games. He has a lot of experience and a lot of wear and tear. He's got a lot of blood, sweat, and tears on the field at AT&T Stadium, so to speak. He's, he's the face. He's been the face. There's no contract, no nothing. It's just time to put up or shut up. And, and some people think that's a little bit unfair, but that's just kind of the way this business works. RJ, what's, uh, what's, what's going on on uh, blogging the boys this morning? You know, um, we're, we're just counting down to the draft. I mean, the Cowboys have kind of forced all of our chips to be in that pile. But, um, you know, it, it's, it's been a, a crazy offseason in that it was a little bit predictable, but it still didn't upset anybody any, any less. Uh, but we are, you know, really focused on our coverage on the draft. We, we have a mock draft that goes out every Monday on our YouTube channel. Um, and so we're just – we're getting ready. We're battening down the hatches. Uh, I, I, in some ways, it feels like I'm prepping for a storm, like I'm putting, you know, uh, <laughs> like, like wooden boards on the windows and stuff like that. Because if it doesn't go well – I mean, if you think Cowboys fans are pissed, um, you wait till that Thursday night. I mean, if they don't get who they want, because they have been waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting for this one date. They've been, they've been dreaming of this date with this person. And if it goes miserably, uh, well, it's going to be a, a tough car ride home. RJ, as always, it is a pleasure. Thanks so much, man. Thanks a lot, guys. Have a great weekend. See you later. RJ Choa from Blog of the Boys.